uh, Psalm 62. Psalm I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 8, Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock And my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone... O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word, your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your written word that sits open in our laps right now. Lord, as we delve into these passages today, we pray that you would illuminate by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts to understand what you have for us. For we can only understand your scripture by the power of your Holy Spirit. We cannot do it in a carnal physical, fleshly fashion, but it is a spiritual endeavor. So open, your, open our hearts to us, please. Open our hearts to you, O God. Father, I pray again for this people that you would give them ears to hear, a heart to understand. Lord, I pray for myself that you would crush my pride. As I've already said, I am a proud man, and I pray that you would help me to be concerned only about what you think of me, not about what these people think of me. Lord, help me to be transparent, that they would look through me to see your blessed Son, Jesus Christ. Help me not get in the way of your message this morning. Help us to understand who you are, to trust you more fully today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. On November 21st of 2007... Linda, my wife, took our son Hayden, who at that time was 17 months old, to the doctor's office 
to check on him because he had an earache that seemed to not go away, an ear infection. He had a few other kind of minor type symptoms that we weren't sure what was going on. So she went off to take him to the pediatrician. And I went to work. I was in the staff meeting here at church when my cell phone rang. And Linda doesn't usually call me during staff meetings. And so I went out to take it. And she said, Kevin, you need to come to the doctor's office. They think there's something wrong with Hayden. As you can imagine, my my heart sank and my stomach flip-flopped. And I got in my car and I prayed all the way to the pediatrician's office. When I got there, they had already taken some blood and sent it off to the lab. And they told us to go over and we're going to do some ultrasounds and some other kind of medical things. And a few hours later, the doctors met with us, three doctors in a little room, and they said, Hayden has leukemia. As you can imagine, it felt as if our whole world was falling apart. This was the sun who was given to us in our old age. Linda and I, will, we will celebrate our 27th wedding anniversary this summer. Hayden was given to us after our 20th anniversary. We're kind of late bloomers, okay? There's still hope for some of you. <laughs> and you as our church family even prayed with us and for us. I can even remember preaching from this very stage when uh, Hayden's, the embryos, we adopted him as an embryo, those embryos were being flown FedEx. And some of you probably remember me asking you to pray because those embryos would be delivered to our doctor and they would be implanted into Linda and she would carry those embryos. And so you prayed for that boy. And someone even reminded me last night, I had called him the frozen chosen. And he, he truly is. He's the frozen chosen. We loved him even before he was in his mother's womb. So I have a special affinity for God and his love for his, his chosen people. You are chosen by God. He loved you even before you were in your mother's womb. He saw you and he knew you. So when we heard that, the word went out, emails went out, Zach told you to pray. And we prayed. Our dear family at Hope Chapel prayed, and Hayden was spared. We went through chemotherapy, but later that leukemia came back again, and in 2009, he had a bone marrow transplant. That bone marrow transplant worked for a while, but then actually last February, Hayden's leukemia came back again. He relapsed, and at that time... We did not think, the doctors did not believe that a second bone marrow transplant was even a possibility. It wasn't on the table. And our doctor at Miller's Children's Hospital told us last February to go home and enjoy the time that we had left with Hayden. We brought him here. He actually said he wanted to wear a tie. We brought him to be prayed for one Sunday morning. And so he wore a little tie. And uh, Linda dressed Hayden and I alike, actually, that day. We brought him here for the elders to pray. And you prayed again. And miraculously, Hayden got into remission. And was able to extend out long enough so that 
our UCLA doctor called us and said, he's actually now a candidate for a second bone marrow transplant. We can do that. So we prayed more, and we pursued that avenue. We had the second bone marrow transplant last September, and he just flew right through it. Amazingly, just did incredibly. Everyone was surprised at how well he did. And we received the word in the last week and a half that Hayden is leukemia-free. Thank you. So glory to God, right? We give God glory. We praise His holy name because He is a good God and He gives us what we do not deserve. The Bryan family is not the only family who have experienced suffering, who have experienced incredible shaking in their lives, who have felt their world fall apart. If you are human and you're breathing and you're hearing my voice right now, you have experienced shaking in your life. If you haven't, hold on, it's coming. We all experience shaking. When a child becomes ill, when the economy takes a nosedive, we're betrayed by a friend, we lose a job, when a spouse leaves, you fill in the blank. We all experience shaking. Brothers and sisters, there will be shaking in this life. But do we have to be shaken? There will be shaking. But do we have to be shaken? David writes this psalm, Psalm 62, at a time in his life when he is experienced, experiencing incredible shaking in his life. You see, at this time, his son, Absalom, is trying to take the throne from David. He's trying to overthrow the, the throne. And can you imagine your very own son trying to take the throne from you? He's facing treason and betrayal from Absalom. You can hear his, his frustration, his sense of despair in verses 3 and 4. 62, Psalm 62, verse 3 and 4. Listen again. He says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. You can hear his weariness, can't you? You can sense his despair and his frustration. He says, I'm like a, I'm like a fence. You, you, you've seen these, like our cinder block walls around California, right? They're, it's just about to fall over in just one more little push. And he crumbles. So how does David respond to this shaking? Verse 5. He says, for God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence for my hope is from him. Listen again. He, he's talking to his soul. For God alone, oh my soul. He's saying, listen, my soul. I'm talking to my soul. He's doing what the great London pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones said to do. He's preaching the gospel to himself. And we, 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 we kind of did that today in communion. When I would struggle with my own sin, I, I, I read this one time and it, it so helped me in my own depression and my frustration with myself. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, you preach the gospel to yourself. When you sin, you don't say, you don't justify it. You don't rationalize it. You say, I sinned. I sinned. You confess it. 
Then you remind yourself, wait a minute, I have, con- I have sinned, but Christ, you died for this sin. Praise God, that sin is covered. You preach the gospel to yourself. And David here says to himself, he says, my soul, listen, listen, my soul. For God alone, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. When the shaking occurs, our source of hope is from God alone. When the shaking occurs, our source of hope is from God alone. An early church father, Pacama, said this, And now, my child, if you take God as your hope, He will be your help in the time of anguish. If we take God as our hope, He will be our help in our time of anguish. Another early church father, Augustine, said this, Hope in Him, every assemble of the people. Hope in Him. Do not trust in your own powers. Without His help, you will be nothing. Is it any any coincidence that we attend Hope Chapel? Hope Chapel. When I came here about 20 years ago, I was a burned out, frustrated Christian. I had left the pastorate. And I was done. I was through. Linda and I's actual prayer was, Lord, I want to be a spiritual vegetable. I don't want anyone sponging off of me. I don't want to be in ministry. I want to sit. And I sit in the back. And I didn't want to... In fact, Zach never even asked my name. I would walk up, sit down, and go. But God brought us to Hope Chapel. Hope Chapel. And under the teaching of the Word, worshiping with you, God began to renew again my hope in Him. Psalm 43, 5. The psalmist there says, Why are you downcast, my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Well, how does David tell us that we are to do this. He says also in verse 5, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. Wait in silence. When the shaking occurs in your life, in my life, we are to wait in silence. This means we're to have an attitude of submitted trust. An attitude of submitted trust. Bonhoeffer says this, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, being silent before God means yielding the right for God to have the first and the last word. The first and the last word. I, I, I don't want to wait in silence. I don't want to wait in silence. When these things occur, when the shaking comes in my life, I want an answer from God. I want to call him on the carpet and say, you explain to me what's going on here. I want to straighten him out. I want to tell him the way to do things. But God responds to me and He responds to you if you're anything like me. In Psalm 46.10, He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Be still. Hayden is five years old and he's a normal five-year-old boy. Okay? You try to talk to him about something and he's got his mind on something else. And his, you know, he's everywhere, right? Grabbing this, looking at that, looking here, looking there, and you know, I'm trying to explain him something, and I find it funny. Be still, right? 
Be still and know that I am your father. (laughs) Listen to me. Listen to me. Unfortunately, there are times when my wife says, be still, Kevin, and know that I am your wife. Listen. Are you listening to me? Be still. Be still. We're anxious. We're frustrated. We want to fix it ourselves. God says to us, be still. Be still. Wait in silence. You see, when the shaking can come, it can come from different ways and in different means. Sometimes the shaking is the result of sin. It's consequences from our own sin. It can be the result of circumstance. Circumstance. But ultimately, all shaking is under God's sovereignty. All shaking is under God's sovereignty. You see, if God is not sovereign... If God is not, what does that mean? It means he's Lord. It means he's king of kings, Lord of lords. He is in control. He is God. That's what it means to be God, is that you are sovereign. You're in control. If God is not sovereign, then there is no purpose to my suffering. If God is not in control, there's no purpose to my suffering. It's an accident. It's just some random thing happening. It's just chaos. There is no meaning. But no, God is sovereign and it gives purpose to my suffering. I may not understand it. I may not like it. But I know that if I trust him in the end, at some point, I will understand. There's some quite a few passages in the scripture that tell us about the sovereignty of God. Psalm 115.3 says this, Our God is in the heavens... He does all that he pleases. He does all that he pleases. Job 42, 2 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Think of that. No purpose of God's can be thwarted. You can thwart my purpose, right? I can thwart yours. But we can't thwart God's purpose. Brothers and sisters... God doesn't try to do anything. God doesn't try. He achieves all that he sets out to do. He achieves all that he sets out to do. When when God sent Jesus to get a bride, when he sent Jesus to redeem the church, he didn't say, we don't see Jesus on the cross with his fingers, with his fingers crossed saying, man, I hope this works. No, it's the efficacious work of Christ on the cross. It was effective. It was powerful. He came to save. We even sing the song here. We sing the song, Mighty to Save. Mighty to Save. We don't sing the song, It's a Mighty Good Offer. Okay? He was mighty to save. He rescued us. He saved us. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 16.33, even down to this trivial matter, we think, well, God is sovereign over all the big stuff. All the big stuff God's in control of. But the little stuff, you know, he leaves that to just random things. No, listen to what Proverbs 16.33 says. The lot is cast into the lap. Just like throwing the dice. The lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. Isaiah 45.7 
God says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. It's not just the Old Testament God, right? That does these things or that is sovereign. But in the New Testament as well, Ephesians 1, 11 through 12. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. Get that phrase in there. The purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Praise God, I am not it comes down to that simply, really, right? He is God, and I am not. He is God, and I am not. Brothers and sisters, allow God to be God. Beloved, is God shaking you? Is God shaking you right now? Growing up uh, in this church in Texas, uh, Greenville, Texas, uh, we actually attended church with our, our um, family doctor. His name was Dr. Uh, Bob Fry. And Dr. Fry was a very large man. He probably was six, six or six, seven and weighed about 300 pounds. Just a huge guy. And uh, a young man, too. My, had a baby face. And my dad would tease him a lot. And he called him Baby Huey. Okay? So you can imagine just this really big guy. He was our doctor. He went to church with us. One time, my dad said, he walked in to the, he was in the examining room, and Dr. Fry steps in to say, and says, oh, hello, Garen, steps up and takes my dad and puts him on the examining table, okay? <laughs> my dad was not that, a little shorter than I am. Well, one day, my dad was a real teaser, and he would always, and, and Dr. Bob and uh, dad were friends, and they would always, you know, just hang out after church, right, just talking and talking. As they were talking and talking one day after church, and I don't know what my dad did, but he was teasing Dr. Fry, and suddenly, I, as a kid, I remember walk, looking and seeing Dr. Fry reaching over, grabs my dad's ankles, and picks him up by the ankles, okay, and begins to shake him. All his change, his billfold, his pen, everything's just ding, 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 right, falling out in the street. I think, wow, that's a picture, Lord, of what God is doing to us sometimes, right? He's shaking us. But there's a purpose in His shaking. There's a purpose. Hebrews 12 tells us what that purpose is. 26 and 29, He says, At that time His voice shook the earth. But now He has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. He's shaking us till what cannot be shaken may remain. Down to our core, down to the spiritual man. So shake us, right? Shake out that, those impure thoughts, that lust. Shake out that gossip. Shake out that unsubmitted, rebellious attitude to our husbands or to our wives. Shake us, Lord. Shake us. You see, He's preparing a people to spend all eternity with Him. Brothers and sisters, earth is, earth is boot camp for heaven. 
This is boot camp for heaven. This is just a little slice, right? We got this compared to eternity. And Paul says that in Romans 8, 18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us and to us. They're not worth comparing. We must keep a heavenly perspective about everything that's happening here on earth. I learned about this uh, from our beloved Alan. I asked Alan, Pastor Alan, if I could share this story, and he said I could. It was a time before Hayden was diagnosed with leukemia that Alan was going through a trial in his life. And he had shared it in a, in a, in a group. And I just wrote a little note to him that said, I can't remember all of it. I just remember, at the, I just remember said, that said at the beginning, O man of God, is God's arm too short? And then wrote some other things. And I, just, I remember just tearing it off and just giving it to him. After Hayden was diagnosed, Mary Kasaka met me here during an event and walked up to me and looked at me and said, Oh, man of God, is God's arm too short? Later, in that same season, Alan had a dream that he shared with me. He said, he said I, don't, I don't often have spiritual dreams, but he believed this was a spiritual dream. And he said, in the dream we were standing, it was, it was Alan and, and Zach and myself, we were standing in front, of, uh, in front of the New Hope Chapel building, okay? And we were talking about the construction of this building. And suddenly a torrential downpour occurs. And hey, Alan says it's just one of those, those scary storms with lightning and thunder and it's just raining like crazy. And Alan says, run! And I start running, we start running. And he said, I turned to him and said, here we go again. We run, and Alan says, keep running, keep running. We run, and we run up this mountain. We keep running and running and running and running until we get to the top of this very high mountain. And the rain has stopped. The storm is gone. And we look back, and Alan says, wow, look at that. And he, we look back, and we, we can see the little Hope Chapel building way down there. And there's this little, tiny storm cloud over it. And the message is clear. From heaven, from heaven, the storm, the shaking... The suffering, seen from heaven's perspective, it's a little tiny storm cloud. Brothers and sisters, we must keep heaven in mind. We must keep heaven in mind. So how do we respond to the sovereign shaking of God in our lives? We can look to three people in the, in the Bible that are great examples of how to respond to God's sovereign shaking. First, we look to Job. Job, when Job was tested by God, he loses his wealth, he loses his children, his health. He begins to question God and ask him all these questions. And then God turns the tables and begins to ask Job some questions. And how does Job finally respond? In Job 42, 2 through 6, Job says this to God. I know that you can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. 
I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. When Job is shaken and he has the experience of seeing the living God, he repents. He says, I'm nothing. You understand, God. You understand. You'll explain it to me. You know what you're doing. I may not understand, but I repent. I submit myself under your mighty hand. Joseph. Joseph in Genesis. Joseph is betrayed by his own brothers. Sold into slavery. Shipped off to a foreign land. Accused of trying to steal another man's wife and wrongly imprisoned. When he faces the very brothers that betrayed him and sold him into slavery, what does he say to them? Genesis 50, 20 It says, Joseph says to them, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. He doesn't say that this thing that the brothers did was not evil. There was evil there, but he understands that even those evil purposes of his brothers, God used for his grand purpose to save Israel and ultimately to give us a savior through Israel. Jesus, our own Lord and Savior. In Matthew 26, 36 through 39, Jesus, as he contemplates the cross that is before him, goes to the garden. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus faces torture and death and the wrath of his father upon him at the cross. He knows it's going to be horrible. And he asks, if if there's any other way, can you take it from me? Can you take this suffering from me? But again, at the end, not my will, but your will be done. It is appropriate for us to pray for healing. It is appropriate to to pray and ask God to take these fiery trials or these, these shakings away from us. But there is no safer place to be than in the middle of the will of God. And so we must always come with the attitude of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who says, not my will, your will be done. Your will be done. So we submit ourselves to the sovereignty of God and the shaking. We submit ourselves to the sovereignty of God and the shaking, and the result is we are not shaken. We are not shaken. Why? Why? Back to our passage, Psalm 62, verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Brothers and sisters, I am not shaken. You are not shaken because he is your rock, 
your salvation, your fortress, your refuge. Just think about that. Let that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let that sink into your heart right now. He is your rock, your salvation, your fortress, your refuge. God is your rock, your salvation, your fortress, your refuge. My God is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my refuge. The next time you're shaken, the next time you're shaking, say to yourself, my God is my rock. He can't move. He's immovable. He's my salvation. He's my fortress. I'm protected. He's my refuge, my place to go and hide. The first night in the hospital when Hayden was diagnosed, he was very ill. 17 months old and uh, I'll never forget him with his little arms with IVs in them. And that night we'd done all the things that they, they do at the hospitals and finally we're exhausted and, and he is sleeping. And my wife and I are spending the night in the room with him that night. And we didn't want to go to sleep because we were afraid. We were afraid that that night that he was going to pass. And I can remember telling my wife that I was afraid that I would not be able to keep my faith. I said, this is too hard. It's just too hard. I don't think I can, I don't think I can handle it. And then God brought this thought to me. Kevin, your faith is a gift from me. You didn't go out and get it on your own. I gave you your faith. It's not up to you to keep it. I'm keeping it for you. And I remember even physically in prayer, physically with my hands like this, just saying, Lord... It's yours, right? It's yours. You keep it. You keep me. You keep my wife. You help us, please. That night, I, I, I found out later from my, my father. He called me in the next couple of days and we were talking. He said, he said that very night he was walking in a field in Texas praying for us throughout the night. And he said, Kevin, I was praying, obviously, for the healing of my grandson, Hayden. But more than that, I was praying that you and Linda would not lose your faith. And so that evening, I told Linda, I said, at some point, we, we can't stay up all night. We've got to go to sleep. We have to trust God. We can't save him. We can't keep him. He's in God's hands. And I opened our Bible to Romans eight thirty eight. 31 through 39, Romans 8, 31 through 39, and read this. And I know it's a familiar passage. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? 
Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? So, brothers and sisters, when the shaking occurs in your life, or if you are being shaken even now, know That the earth may shake, your life may shake, but you don't have to be shaken because we have one who we can trust in, who understands us, who loves us, who's keeping us. And it all comes down to this at the end of Psalm 62, verse 8. Verse 8 says, trust in him at all times, O people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. God is a refuge for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we are frail and feeble and sinful and sick, and all of these things, Lord, you are not, because you are God. You are sovereign. You are powerful and strong and able to help us through all of these things. Lord, I pray now, if there's anyone in the congregation who has not turned their heart to you, that you would be kind to them and grant them repentance, for your scripture says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Lord, help them to see that you are good, you are holy, you are righteous, you are a loving Father. Again, we thank you, Jesus, for your great sacrifice for us, for being our Lord and being our Savior. And we look forward to seeing you face to face. We look forward to coming to a time in the future where there will be no more shaking. There will be no more sickness, no death, no sin. No separation. So we pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. We love you today, Lord. And we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.